0: I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. Mm. This is your last chance. After this there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.
1: Deeper lead down to the rabbit hole. Real metaphysics. Cutting-edge topics. Results driven active spirituality. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. of the paradise Network. Also available. On podcast. And Welcome, this is Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. And you're here with your host, Andrea Venomous, and I'm here with my co host, Jason. Uh, Corvus will be calling in in a few minutes.
0: So, Jason, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Um, It's kind of been a rough uh, week. you know, you know, for obvious reasons, I had to go to a funeral over the weekend, so if I sound a little out of sorts, I want to apologize to people in advance. Um, one of the things uh, we, um, as we said, last weekend, um, we had announced last week on the show that starting the 1st, of January, we'll have a uh, additional subscription side to our website uh that'll be run through the Quantum Life Science Institute uh where you'll be able to uh, get practical advice and we'll be running uh a beginners part of the show for free on on air and then the second week in the series we'll be running guests uh just like we are now and then uh the second part of the show will be a private teleconference that we can go into much more detail uh, along with that uh in case you haven't heard Halloween Why don't you tell them about Halloween, Jason?
0: Halloween. We are putting together a very special ancestral online ritual. And it will actually take place on October 31st during the show for one hour. So I think people should tune in and really get back to the roots of Halloween. That it it has its roots in celebrating your ancestors and celebrating those who have passed on.
1: And uh, the week before that we're gonna run an instructional show on how to do basic ancestral work that uh Kimmy from Rain Ravia is gonna sort of be the host for that show, so that way we can actually go through the details. now if you missed the first ritual, it's on our webpage, deeper down the rabbit hole uh, dash com with all dashes. And um We've got a lot of fun plans planned for the next year and uh, the last few months. Uh, next week, we're going to have uh, Aaron Leicht, who is a ceremonial magician who wrote various Grimoric Secrets of the um and a lot of other interesting things that are going to be coming up uh, more and more. Uh, both me and Jason at Quantum Life Science will be starting uh, blogs that detail more magical techniques along with the... Uh, Quantum Life Science Institute really kicking the full gear as a, a full out-and-out out school. Uh, now, we have, tonight, Corvus just messaged me to tell me he, he's almost, he's ready. So let me announce who he is before we have him call in. Uh, Corvus is no uh, stranger to any of the Para-X family. He's uh, been on many, many shows, and... Um, About various topics, he's written books. On Cemetery Gates was one of his recent books. He's running a publishing company. But I originally knew Corvus because he's a Satanist uh, and has interesting ideas about Satanism. And what we're going to talk about today on the show is Corvus's take on Greater Black Magic, something that I know a lot about. However. It's not at all what people think.
0: And neither is Satanism. And stay neither is sure. Satanism.
1: So stay tuned. He's going to call in right now. Well, Jason, let me take the call. Uh, you have any other announcements?
0: No. Go ahead and take the call.
1: All right. Well, come on, Corvus. Uh, I'm trying to get him on the air. There was a the little beep. There it goes. Hello, Corvus. How are you doing? Hello. I'm doing great. Thank you. You're here with Jason, who I, th- I think you've met actually. I think we've all met in person actually. We, we have not met, unfortunately. Oh. No, and... Yeah, I don't believe I've met Jason. That's too bad. You're you're both at my house enough that I would have expected it that somehow we would have crossed streams. Don't cross the streams. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm certain we'll meet here in the near future.
1: So, Corvus, I announced you, you're probably the most sane and awesome Satanist I know. Well, I certainly hope so. So, that's kind of one of the myths of Satanism, and there's so many myths of Satanism, and so many takes on it, and uh, so many trappings of Satanism, different flavors, and uh, of course, I grew up I'm not going to say how long ago I, I read the Satanic Bible, and I, of course, it, it's one of the things I think most people read if they get into occultism. They have access to the Satanic Bible, and um, it's been taken in so many different directions that I think a good place to start is, well, what is Satanism from your perspective?
2: Well, as a member and someone who identified with Anton LaVey's teachings. Uh, um, good many years ago I would say that it is about uh, looking at the archetype of the devil not the stereotypical aspect but the ideas of pride and rebellion and intellect over uh, anything else that if you really look at those aspects and apply them to yourself as an individual it's about becoming the ultimate human being that you can Um I would go so far as to say that it's a Jungian archetype where you project the self as an ideal not in delusionment but in what would you like to be perfected and what would that mean to you if you could somehow make that happen it's about uh, self-actualization you aim and strive constantly toward that goal
1: now one of the things is if we've ever, if anyone's watching, I highly would tell you to go do this because it's amusing. You see any of your videos from the 1960s, Corvus, when they had the, um, Anton LeVe had his mansion. Uh, they're quite nice performances. <laughs> yes. Uh, he loved uh, his theater. He, he did. But a lot of what you're saying also shares a lot of commonality with. Self-help philosophies with NLP, with a lot of less, well, let's put it boldly, spooky uh, ideas of self-actualization. So let's call it almost boring,
2: you know, because all it is is a philosophy of self-improvement. Well,
1: yeah, I've often said that if uh, people uh, really understood about magic, they would say this is the most boring thing ever. You sit down and sit on a chair and meditate. (laughs) And that's about it. And although Satanism does have a lot of performance elements to it. I mean, so one of the things that I always ask, but you're more sane, and I actually would work with you in a, even a business context, but, you know, and that says a lot. I, I want everyone to know, I, I don't just randomly set up business deals with people I don't trust. I mean, <laughs> oh, no, he does not. Um, <laughs> but, um... A lot of Satanists, what, what, why is it so much more appealing to be a Satanist than a self-actualization specialist, or or use the techniques of cognitive science as opposed to ritual?
2: Um, I honestly would look at that and say, because people need psychodrama. They need the trappings that go along with Satanism, because it's tapping into the dark... S- Aspect of ourselves, the the dark archetype, the um, emotions. I mean, we listen to certain music because we want that power to resonate within us or to release an emotion. And sometimes just the standard textbook of this is what you need to do to make your life better, blah blah blah, is so gra- you know draining on an individual because there's so much you know schoolwork. That you can do, so to speak. That sometimes you just need the emotional release.
1: Well, do you think that? I, I mean, certainly, you know. Do you think the theater aspects of of Satanism? I mean, I've heard other Satanists on other shows basically say, "Oh, well, just being a Satanist, you don't even have to do ritual." You don't um, have to. It's all up to you. Um,
2: but I think it's also important to realize there is a time and place for everything.
0: Well, I also need to take a poke at the the aspect of psychodrama and ritual and ask you, as a metaphysician, as, as a magician, if you will, are you looking at this from purely a psychological model, or do you believe in some supernatural forces?
2: The earlier aspects of the Church of Satan did acknowledge that there was a dark force that they were tapping into, But I think the further LeVay got into it, the more he realized the true power came from the individual in self-actualization than an outside force. Because just like in Christianity or any other path, if you need a middleman to do what you're automatically training yourself to do, it's kind of sidestepping. Why not go straight to the source? Why not just be that change that you're trying to become? Because you're the one who's ultimately ultimately responsible. It doesn't matter if there's an outside force or not. If you're not going to listen, if you're not going to do what intelligence tells you you need to do, it's irrelevant.
1: Good answer. Well, then uh, that brings an interesting point because a lot of the you know <laughs> if anyone if anyone does a five minute search on the internet, they'll find out uh, that. Organized Satanism is a, a pretty contentious point. Um, <laughs> to, probably to, that's probably an understatement, but I mean, yes. um, there's so many. Uh, I mean, for instance, you know, for a while I've said on this show I was a member of the Temple of Set, and that that idea of a force of darkness that is an externalized actual force is something where they split from the church of Satan Um, they actually believe in that but there's a lot of uh, Satanists out there who would argue uh, well what are you guys doing I mean if you don't believe in an actual literal Satan and and there's a fair uh, the church of Satan has taken a fair amount of criticism because they take that stance of well it's just all in your head and you know
2: Right, I mean you have everything from Luciferians uh, that kind of go back to the ancient Carthurs, uh of the Knights Templar where they were just inverted Christians that wanted to trample on the cross and have the orgies and everything that's now Hollywood stereotype um, to you know the classic occultist who's trying to do necromancy and say well we're making pacts with the devil and unfortunately not to bash the people that are you know, modern-day Luciferians or uh, Order of the Nine Angels or Temple of Set, even though that's not a path I subscribe to um, everybody has to be drawn to that darker aspect of themselves somehow something has to click with them it's like uh, Peter Gilmore the, the high priest of the Church of Satan has said we don't want everybody we're elitist we only want those who agree with us and that's what makes life all the richer is because there is character. There is, you know, basically I'm rephrasing, but there's so many different aspects of people that if that's who they are, then there's a place for them too. I mean, we're not asking everybody to be like us because we're right. Um, and that's one thing that separates us from other religions is you're free to do what you want. We don't care.
1: One of the things I, I, I have noticed, and this is just to play the devil's advocate, because proud of, you know, uh, is that, uh, you know, a lot of Satanists like wearing a lot of black. Did you ever notice that? Oh,
2: yes. and uh, I, it's, it's half my wardrobe, but I it's know. mostly, mine are mostly suits. I mean, I, I dress like the quintessential businessman.
1: Well, you, you, well, except black and red is generally, you know... Not always the quintessential... Well, it is in Italian businesses <laughs> uh, of certain that's, types. That's <laughs> a
0: different kind of business there, you know, buddy.
1: Uh, yeah, it is. But, I mean, uh, it seems that the... Although, you know, from a perspective, um, Satanism uh, is very much about it's It's all in your head. It's kind of a, an anti-religion in a sort. It is a religion. Uh, there are cultural... Values that uh, many Satanists seem to share, like a similar taste in wardrobe, a similar stylistic concern, a similar uh, drawing to goth subculture of which you, you yourself are are drawn yes. to, uh, and a similar drawing to certain uh, Victorian, you know, gothic themes like vampires and stuff like that. Um, maybe I mean maybe you have noticed that as well. And uh, of course.
2: I think the reason for that is all of these similar mindsets love the classics, and uh, as far as art and music, we appreciate the, uh, the time and the passion and the creativity and the pure genius that went into it, which is kind of lacking in today's world. That's why we're kind of throwbacks and don't seem to fit with uh, the rest of the world.
1: We, well, we could no. be—you
2: could go so far as to say we're cultural snobs. We're elitists. You know, we want the finer things. We want uh, the best wines and cigars and you know,
1: whatever gender
2: is our preference, no matter man or woman. You know, you're asking. Yeah, you know, we're elitists. We're Epicureans. Well, I might argue
1: you don't get quite the finest of all that at at it, it, in the goth subculture. I mean. No, I mean, no. If if if, if uh, one of the critiques is that like, well, when Satanists start running Fortune five hundred com- companies and they're actually living up to that to get the finest, but the the leaning towards uh, certain subcultures is it's been a common theme in actual Satanists that uh, even when they get in public fights in nightclubs, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Uh,
2: I would kind of contend with that saying that I know a person who works for both Penthouse and Playboy who certainly lives his life to the fullest and makes a really good living off of it. But I wouldn't say that he's Fortune 500. No, um, you know there there are people in the military or you know law enforcement. It, it depends on how they choose to take their belief system and actualize it within their career. What are their personal interests? You know what are they good at? So, you know, some people aren't meant to be business people, some are meant to be musicians and painters and authors, and others are CEOs, you know, of companies, and I know there's quite a few that are, I just can't reveal who they are.
0: Oh, certainly, and you yourself have been a successful businessman.
2: I'd like to think so.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, you, you have ran your own business, I did some research on you, saw that you ran, they still do run an occult store, I believe.
2: Um, that actually has uh, unfortunately had to close simply because the demands of running a publishing company have overtaken my time and I chose to you know di- diverge my talent and time where it was being uh, utilized best so we're actually up to 40 titles and uh, half a dozen authors and looking for more material all the time we just got uh, signed with the Biz distribution and ISIS Bookstore is looking into us and you know it's growing so I'm certainly pleased in how hard I work
0: so now I have to ask you this now I know that your goals are to make yourself a more successful better person uh, mm-hmm. you're you're really it seems to me a humanist with you know the psychodrama leanings of the Satanism uh, right the theater aspects of it I should say now is not going against the cultural norm does that not make business harder because you're putting yourself in a category that not the broad populace isn't going to
2: necessarily agree with? I think it does. It's somewhat limiting financially, but I also would uh, look at that and ask you in return, how much money has Stephen King and Rice, you know, people of that nature made just by being different? Because everybody, to some extent, loves the darker aspect
1: of life. Well, I mean, that, uh, that, that, the general populace does seem, although it's been whitewashed re- more recently, you know, last, last I checked every vampire movie I've ever seen, and any mythos that I ever read that vampires don't sparkle, but that's a whole different, <laughs> different, um,
2: I have other friends who will really be upset at that. <laughs> well,
0: you know, if, if you really want to go back into history when your grandpa's bloated corpse comes knocking on the front door that's and starts sucking away your vital energy, that's a true vampire. Yeah. But we'll, we'll leave that alone for now.
2: Well, I, I understand. I wrote Allure of the Vampire. I had to trace vampirism all the way back to ancient Sumeria, so it's hardly that Edward Cullen is the vampire archetype out of Thousands of years of you know
1: fiction and folklore. No, no, and it's a quite the di- quite diversion from the vampire mythos. The take on in certain books, which we will not name for yes. sensibility's sake. <laughs> now, <laughs> one of the one of the things that I've found that in our discussions, uh, although I would call it something different, uh, that we both we both very very much agree with outside of the um, results-driven magical operations that I might do, is the notion of greater black magic, which, of course, I would call something that something entirely different. But maybe we could talk about that, since that's probably the single greatest secret of, of Satanism and one of the greatest benefits of Satanism. Um, sure.
2: Uh, I don't have a problem going into that
1: well feel free what is greater black magic
2: to me greater black magic is using the seen and unseen forces to bring about one's will it is self-actualization and working with others to get the common results that everybody's after you know whether it's uh making a fortune, attracting all the women, you know, something like that, I would say that someone like say Hugh Hefner has done quite well with that, whether he realizes he's tapped into, you know, a occult mentality or not, he certainly has uh, created his own
1: reality. Well what would be the first steps for somebody to start to discover what their will actually was. What? How do they know what their will is?
2: I think that requires the hardest thing in the world to do, and that's look at yourself in the mirror and realize what it is you dislike or what your weaknesses are about yourself and work on fixing them, as well as looking at from other aspect of it, uh, of what you like about yourself and what you want to have um, accomplish. You know, can you make those things work together, or are they incompatible? And if they're not, you have to be honest with yourself and say, "I'm meant to work for other people."
1: Well, in a way, that that that's a interesting a- aspect because, as you know, in traditional ceremonial magic, they'll throw around the word "will" as well a lot, uh, and. In fact, you have to go through nine-month ritual in some systems to actually figure out what your will is. <laughs> um, um, so it's kind of a, uh, so you, the first step, you would say, is, is you have to be real honest with yourself. But how do, you, how do you personally know when you're being honest with yourself? Because so many of our internal voices, and there's so much garbage in our head, how do you know when you're actually being honest or with yourself about what you actually want and can do?
2: Uh, Are you saying that the contradiction sometimes of your want versus
1: reality? Well, sure. There's certainly a uh, contradiction between want and will. I Uh, I,
2: I think it has to do with what I said looking in the mirror. You have to truly ask yourself what it is you want, and then look at the results of your actions to see if you've actually made steps in that direction. I mean, of course you can't control everything that other people do, you can't control what they choose to buy or like or dislike that you're trying to accomplish but once you look at it as an overall you can see the the uh, threads in the tapestry so to speak and it gives you a clearer picture of whether or not it's working and you know what it is you're truly after or are you just blinding yourself to your own want and that's sometimes the very most difficult thing in the world to do is to look at things for what it really is because a lot of people they're so set on, well, I'm going to do this, I want this and you know, there are businesses that collapse that look like they're going to be strong simply because the person was too ignorant and arrogant to realize there was a problem. And I think those who can adapt and change I'm not saying totally divert from what you want to do, but be a little bit flexible in changing aspects of it to get to the ultimate goal
0: see what I'm seeing here are you looking at it from oh a philosophy of pick a goal and decide whether or not you could be successful at that goal or are you looking at it from the metaphysical side of attune into a higher aspect of yourself that has a purpose on this earth
2: yes Uh, uh, (laughs) Good answer
0: I'm being honest You stole one of my catch lines
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm being honest simply because (laughs) My business manager looked at me one day And he says you know the things I'm teaching you If you apply them to your daily life Life is a business Life is metaphysical What is the axiom As above so below In the hermetic golden dawn tradition There's a lot of truth to that what and that's what Satanism talks about too. They give you rank based on what you've accomplished in the real world, it's not how many asses you
1: kiss, it's what do you accomplish. Wow, my experience in the Temple of Set was so different from that. Uh, <laughs> Maybe well, I should okay. join the Church of Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I what I did, yeah, I mean, but one of the things is that I, I really get where you're saying, well, is it coming about? Uh, the way you want to do it but for a lot of people I think stepping down that road and and looking at kind of their results up to the this point um, may not reflect what they're that's the only critique I might say they might not reflect what they're truly capable of uh, if they were to also be honest about their personal flaws and work on them first before they step to the mirror on their future plans
2: Right, and I think if you can't be honest with yourself, you have no business dictating other people's lives as a boss, as someone who's building a company, say, or if you're creating your own magical order. I mean, Aleister Crowley accomplished a lot with his OTO and things like that. But look at what a mess of a human being he was. He was a drug addict and you oh, know, had see. diseases and things like that. Now,
1: now to, we're going to get in trouble, and we just offended I'm all not, our OTO people. No, not, that's okay. I'm not,
2: I'm not trying to bash the people that follow his ideals any more than, say, bash the Temple of Set, because you know his ideals were Ant on the base. But you have to look at what the individual did. I'm not saying you can't be human and fallible and make mistakes but I'm saying watch out for those major character flaws, and that's what Satanism talks about, indulgence in hedonism it's not about hedonism so much because you're a slave to your wants it's more about being an Epicurean where you are more selective and responsible, you you go for the finer things, but at the same time you don't overindulge and be stupid about it
1: Well, that, that has been in, in practice actually, with I think a lot of the Satanists uh, that I have met uh, that that kind of discipline is something that is missed a lot of the time. That,
2: you know, We're all human and we have flaws, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well,
0: and to step up in your defense for some of your statements, I'll say that I myself haven't had a lot of personal experience with humanist Satanists, but I have had experience with Thelemites and some of the most successful Thelemites have been people who have been able to step back and say, I believe in the ideal of what Aleister Crowley was saying in his philosophy Not and they separate that from the person the person was fallible, the person did not attain goals that he set out to accomplish but I still believe in the philosophy exactly I, I now, think the
2: biggest lesson there is uh, take what you need to from the wisest of people but realize they're still people
0: And also, like you said, um, having I did read the Satanic Bible many years ago, and in hindsight, it does seem that many of the teachings of Anton LaVey were being mirrored. You know, I could tell that Crowley was a heavy influence on Anton LaVey. Anton LaVey added his own flavor to his philosophy.
2: Yes, I, I would agree with that statement.
0: Now, well, let's let's dig back a little bit. So what set you on this path? What really, you know, tipped <laughs> you off and, and made you go, this, this Satanist stuff, I'm really into it. I want to go check um, it out.
2: I was experimenting into a lot of different occult philosophies in a circle that uh, myself and some friends were doing because we were trying to understand all different left-hand and right-hand paths. And a friend of mine who was just he had this asshole mentality uh, about him, but he had a lot of raw, honest, brutal, honest opinions about people and things. And he brought out Satanism, and we thought, well, you know, that's the religion of being an asshole. And you know, tongue in cheek, it's true. But at the same time, you know, he handed me a copy of the Satanic Bible, and I still have it to this day. And he had an inscription in it saying, you know, here's the deal: you find that this works for you you hand it off, hand another copy off to somebody else because they're of a similar mindset to you. And when I read it, it just sort of clicked. Evangelical you, you, Satanism? You, you, wow! And you, you don't become a Satanist. You are one and you find that you resonate with those same philosophies. It's a character type.
1: Alright everyone, you can feel free to buy somebody my book if you resonate with it. <laughs> 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 uh, um, in... In reality, though, the, that is one of the criticisms that a lot of people would love. Not the fantastical criticisms of Satanism, which we're all well aware of. And, um, you know, it, it couldn't be further from the trupa, truth, as I think people, if they didn't know about Satanism before listening to the show, are starting to figure out. Um, but one of the actual critiques is that it um, and we've talked about this is that that notion of it's okay to be a complete um, well as you said an asshole but uh, but the fact that you yourself in our personal conversations came to a a kind of conclusion about that and enlightened self-interest and uh, maybe we could talk about that for the Satanists who are actually uh, kinda still stuck in that phase
2: um I think part of the problem is so many people get caught up in just the my path says I have to be honest and my opinion without filter is I'm a jerk so therefore they treat everyone badly kind of miss the point of responsibility to the responsible when I try to put it out this way at different lectures and unfortunately you gave a lecture the same time I did at an event when we went to uh, some type of gathering years ago and I didn't get to hear yours you didn't hear mine but the message I had for the audience was if you truly are selfish and you want to have everyone like you don't be an asshole to them unless they do truly deserve it and you know there's a reason for it then you're not being an asshole um, if you're actually a nice person to as many people as you possibly can because you genuinely are a nice happy person then you're going to get that back. It's cause and effect. It's not karma. It's not dharma.
1: It's uh, I'm nice to you, you're nice to me. I help you, you help me. You further your life. Actually, I'm going to point out that uh, it's not the Western take on karma. However, that cause and effect is actually the actual Eastern uh, definition of karma uh, versus what we think of it in the West. It's kind of... I misnomer that karma is used in that way in various New Age circles. Okay, it is actually it is actually co- more like cause and effect that you have to accept the consequences of whatever you you do. And ah, okay, it's kind of oh. in the West we mistran in the West think so many things get mistranslated that mm, it hurts well, me sometimes. <laughs>
0: yes, it, it's very painful. But the way I look at it is, hey, you know what? bad people succeed all the time, and good people get tramped on all the time. If That's the law of the this, jungle, yes. Blind.
2: Um, I, th- I think you've hit the nail on the head. That's one of the social Darwinist aspects of Satanism, that only the strong survive, and that doesn't mean just brute force strength, that means intellectual strength. Um, I'd go so far as to say that you will succeed where others don't, simply because you keep trying, or you're smarter, you try a new way. Um, There's a lot of aspects. There's a lot of reasons behind it.
1: Well, I mean, that certainly comes from the kind of self-esteem that you could develop if you take to heart the fact that you are God. You know, essentially, as I've heard some left-hand path practitioners say, you know, that you really are creating your own reality and you don't really have many excuses. And if you really adopt that philosophy... You would believe that anything is possible. Uh,
2: I would definitely agree with that because I tend to come from that uh school of thought. When my business wasn't doing good for two or three years and it was just breaking even all the time and I felt like why am I doing this? I'm working another job to get by and then I suddenly looked at it that i needed to go back to school for business education i needed advisors i needed to stop doing everything myself and hire the best people i picked up a book by donald trump and he's he's talking about you know educate yourself and hire the most qualified people and stop being a control freak that you actually have to put faith in yourself being in control and not micromanage and, and get you know the right individuals to do things for you and you can progress and suddenly I had you know double the amount of titles out I had a PR person and uh, I was meeting more and more people because my time was freed up to go on radio and travel and you know just the company started to grow and grow to where it is now and that was within two years span And I'm like wow how blind was I before by not being honest with myself that I can't do it all yes I'm still in charge I call the shots. I can fire anybody that works for me because they're not doing things up to my level. But I'm still in charge even if I have others do things. You know, I see that in magic. I see that in daily life. And it's all interconnected.
0: Well, that definitely is an evolution in responsibility. I mean, sure, if you're doing it all yourself, you know it's going to be done to your standard. But if you... Add the responsibility of having to train and look over other people that frees you up to do other things so yeah it's a mark of evolution
2: uh, that's what I'm pretty much going on it's what I'd like to see more people do but I think you touched upon something earlier when you said uh, yeah. something about uh people they, they make it or they don't um, we're not all meant to be Superman or Arnold Schwarzenegger's money or, you know, his biceps or, you know, we're not all Gene Simmons, you know, there, there is stratification. Water will seek its own level. You will finally reach a plateau and you have to accept that and then focus on what your strong suits are. Not everybody's going to be uh, the next Donald Trump or whatnot, um, but the real trick is to figure out what it is you do excel at. And make the most out of your life to
1: enjoy yourself. Well, that's probably as true in traditional magic paths as it is in Satanism, which, you know, I think Jason was right to touch upon the aspects of will that come out of Thalema. Uh, and in some ways, the aspects of, of will that we ignore in chaos magic, but we don't really ignore it, uh, since we spend years screwing with our own heads until we can figure out what, where we're going, I mean in a way. Um, one of the things is that uh, I'd like to go back to this notion of, of being nice a little because it seems that, you know, it's certainly within your greater your greater will to form the company and uh, you have a great, great line of publishing things you know we've had great ideas and even renaming you know uh greater black magic to something else so that way we can combine it with nlp you know and and work together but one of the things is that it seems that many people in satanism have a very adolescent tendency to keep not looking at their own bigger picture and how Uh, they fit in with other people and you're talking about the uh black metal, death
2: metal types who just want to say, I worship the devil or, you know, whatever, raise their fist.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, those are part of them. I would also say there's many serious occultists, some of which uh, both me and Jason have met, that uh, really equate Satanism to more destructive magic without very much gain in anyone's life. Uh, And... This, it's it's kind of an adolescent rage tendency that gets yeah, associated yeah. with Satanism. I do believe
2: what you're saying because you have to get past that initial anger that may have pushed you away from Christianity. People ask me all the time, well, what made you not want to be Christian? Why are you a Satanist? And they look at me real sad like they want to you know, make me better. And I'm like, you know what? I grew up Protestant. I didn't hate them. I don't hate any other faith even though I'm unhappy with what they did throughout the ages to people who were different but it's not any one thing that pushed me away it's just this made more sense it's like uh, Mufi in the chat room just said something about uh, they should call it pragmatism well then you wouldn't have you know the archetype of the devil to follow and you know Levey was asked why did you pick that and he says because it was the only archetype that everybody universally could relate to and if they're too stupid to realize it's just an archetype, and they want to shy away from it. We're
1: just culling the herd and keeping people out that are too dumb to be a part of us. Well, I very much, I very much like that philosophy. I, I wasn't kidding about sometimes, except for my metaphysical bent, thinking it's you have a decent thing. But then some people take that culling the herd, uh, very very seriously in a way that like i said uh these adolescent tendencies come back of the the rage the kind of um what i would consider almost magical violence in some ways yes Um,
0: but i would have to say that what i'm hearing from corvus he would not take an immature black magician who calls himself satanist and tries to create painful and harmful circumstances for other people corvus would not associate that person as a true satanist
1: is that true
2: no, I would not. I would say that they're naive and immature and they need to grow and experience
1: life to see more facets of what no, so, it is they
2: need to focus on.
1: So that's right. If you're a naive Satanist who likes hurting people,
2: get a life! Yeah, because you're ultimately hurting, yours. you're, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. You're not living your life to the fullest if you're constantly mad and angry and yelling and you know and cursing people. Uh, that's not enjoying your life. That's not hedonism and, you know, and, uh, living your life to the fullest and that's what we're philosophizing about.
1: How can you truly be happy if you're constantly pissed off about other things? I can't. I mean maybe some other people like it. I don't I don't know but I personally I, I would find that uh, equally as boring as being a Catholic actually.
0: That's well you know I hate to say it but I think there's just some people out there that it makes them feel powerful to see other people suffer and to believe they had a hand in it but in reality you look at those same people they're never truly happy and they're never truly successful so probably if enough you, set about that mentality.
2: Exactly if you have to get your kicks off of making other people suffer I'm not saying that you shouldn't have vengeance if it's deserved and you truly have been wrong but just to hurt people for no reason other than to feel powerful you're nothing more than a playground bully.
1: There's a lot of those out there. Uh, Interesting enough, like when people ask me, like, God, why'd you leave uh, Christianity? I just say, Oh, as an altar boy. They just assume the worst. (laughs) Oh!
0: Oh! Oh! (laughs) So, hey, Corvus, let me go in a different direction. Uh, Sure. You may or may not know that I'm a paranormal investigator, have been for quite a while. And I noticed that you've written a couple books on paranormal topics, but
2: I've stuck a few in here and there lately.
0: Well, I also know that your your philosophy is, is a humanist philosophy. What is your take on the spiritual realm?
2: Ah, I knew someone would ask me that eventually. Um, I believe there is energy in all people, all things. And energy, as Einstein said, was ne- is never created nor destroyed. It simply changes form. And if you want to go so far as to say there are ghosts simply because that's the residual after effect... I would tend to agree with the scientific cause and effect of that statement but as far as is there an emotional human aspect to them that is characterized by who that person was or their essence still trapped here, I would definitely say I'm leaning towards no. They may have left their electromagnetic imprint in something that resonates it but I don't believe it's truly them still here. That's okay. about as far as I'll go until science will prove otherwise. Um, that's, simply, that's... simply because the. Let me put it this way: magic and ancient superstition for shamans and things like that. That's where occultism became alchemy. Alchemy became science. We use things in subjective terms simply because we can't explain them fully scientifically and if there is scientific proof later that there is life after death I'm sure we'll change our minds but most Satanists will tell you we don't believe that there is a heaven or hell afterlife you know things like that you live you die and hopefully your immortality is what you have left behind that carries forward my books my paintings things like that that's my immortality for other people it's their children
0: that's a pretty cool perspective because you're saying hey weird stuff does happen I just don't think that there's an intelligence behind it.
2: I guess that's a way to put it. Yeah, I, I would say all these haunted houses and things. I'm not saying that there isn't something there. And I'm sure like a book that I have coming out for spring uh, on haunted asylums, if there ever was a place where there would be a so-called haunting, it would be in a, a place like a haunted prison, a haunted uh, you know, sanitarium because the treatment in life of those people is so horrendous we cannot fathom it um, that that strong of a residual energy imprint would be left. That you're going to get some scary shit even if it's just the human being that goes in there thinking that there might be that there. They're going to project that themselves and it's a self-created, self-actualizing uh, idea. They hear a noise, they see something out of the corner of their eye Uh, Who's to say that adrenaline and imagination don't take over? I I don't know where the the line is drawn between reality and unreality when you're in that heightened of a situation.
0: Well, I will say this, that some really great results do come out of prisons and asylums and places where people have been under much emotional duress. (laughs) Now, I'd also say, if a person were to be affected by their fears and adrenaline now that's personal delusion okay right what would your take be on the the idea of a thought form the idea of one person being able to project onto another person and give them an experience
2: I'm not saying that I don't know people who claim to be able to do I've seen some results but I don't know how much of that is just the other person being so in sync with them that they pick it up and they automatically, because they believe that it's going to happen, recreate it. I don't know. I haven't been through it.
0: Okay.
2: Well, I, 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 I have to be honest and say I'm skeptical. Well, no, no. I, no. I, I really do appreciate
0: it. your honesty.
1: Well, I mean, I, I'd like to have a. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> we could go on a whole show about uh, our attempt to prove the supernatural <laughs> in many different ways. And with some effects, but one of the questions that came out of the chat room was in the last 10 minutes, it's probably a good, good topic, is you know, what is the nature of evil from a satanic point of view? Uh, I, I quote Anton LaVey, good is what we like, evil is what we do not.
2: It's subjective. I mean, there are universal taboos like child molestation, animal cruelty, things like that, that if you take away the emotional aspect of anger and rage to do something to someone who would commit an atrocity like that it's pointless and stupid so evil technically that I've touched upon in the I Lucifer book is metaphysical theological psychological you know morality of what one human being does to another I mean, some people do it consensually. Look at BDSM. Someone wants to get hit. That's a crime, whether or not you ask for it or not. So it's somewhat of a semantic
1: point of view. Would, would you then even add that it's a almost a political point of view, depending on an individual politics? Yes. Uh, I mean, you could look at the Marquis de Sade and say that
2: he was brilliant in, if, if you've ever watched the movie uh, Quills, uh where the the guy who is a brilliant actor uh Jeffrey Rush I think his name is uh, is talking about we all have that aspect of ourselves that we want to express and let out but sometimes we need someone to push us because we block through our own inhibitions the ability to let it out but that's a crime and how it's done you know whipping someone uh, even if they give a written consent, I mean, you, you can't sign away your right to be abused. That's the way you know the Supreme Court would look at it. But does it exist? Of course it does. There's whole clubs on, uh, you know, things like BDSM. I mean, um, do I approve of non-consensual? Of course not. Uh, as a Satanist, people should be free to experience life. And all of its pleasures and joys, how they want to, and nobody should tell them not to, as long as all the people involved are consenting. That's why it's called responsibility to the responsible. That's one of the mantras of Satanism. It's almost quite boring if you strip away the spooky Hollywood, you know, trappings that go along with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, without a naked chick on the altar, it just becomes like a self-actualization. It's pretty boring. I'm, 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 I'm so disappointed. No, I'm just kidding,
0: So, really, I mean, what we're looking at is this this big picture of evil is subjective, really. I mean, one culture's evil, is not evil in another culture, and uh, it really just comes down to what your culture deems to be appropriate or inappropriate. Right.
2: I mean, when, when I was doing the first chapter or two of I, Lucifer, I was talking about where did the look of the devil come from? I mean, first he's a beautiful angel, and then all of a sudden he's a hideous caricature my own reason for writing all the books that I do is I'm curious about this stuff myself I don't have all the answers I research it and I write it and I share with everyone I bet that Pan becomes involved somewhere in here definitely in the word panic comes from Pan like uh, controlled chaos or uncontrolled chaos you know uh, the rites of Pan the rites of Bacchus you know the drunken orgies things like that Christianity took aspects of different uh, myths or other religions, what their pure beliefs of a religion is, and twisted it and turned it into whatever caricature that they wanted to paint as evil and villainous, and take what
1: they could and used it um, to further their own agenda. I would probably argue that Christianity took uh, pieces of other religions, even towards making what Christian is. I mean, we could go on and on about the you know Egyptian elements that comprise the Christ mythos um which cases have been made so i mean in even my own culture with the ukrainians we we see some of the traditions in the baltics come into normal christianity i mean christianity kind of has wherever it's gone taken things and twisted them either for part of the mythos or like as made the gods of the other people demons I mean we covered that we covered that on another show we had earlier with which was Canite religion and how many of the names of Canite uh, gods uh, show up in western ceremonial grimoires as the Goetia is, is quite stunning to look at so I mean, it was kind of a Kind of a point there that Christianity kind of does that across the board. It seems like,
2: right? I mean, I saw a, a comment by our beloved host, uh, uh, station owner Dave, where he was saying something about uh, Halloween is the time of year that we all get to dunk our you know selves into the darker side, uh, and he's a hundred percent right the only difference between me and everybody else on Halloween is I happen to go for it a little bit more all the time and it seems like as a universal oh it's okay to let your darker side out because it's expected without even realizing the uh, old-time religions that used it or a purely spiritual you know belief connection with the other side that then are bail
1: yeah I was gonna say we're gonna not be dressed in black on Halloween. We're going to all be dressed in white doing an ancestor service on Halloween, so we're going the opposite direction of the darker side on our show, so.
0: Well, and it's funny, because to reiterate my point from earlier about the ancestral worship, or the ancestral reverence, that was not considered a black act. That was not evil. That was reverence and worship, and you know, this was considered part of Good living at some point in history in certain cultures. It, I mean, it was you know, it was yeah. our culture that villainated it, like everything it, else. Yeah, yes.
2: A- anything spooky and you know dark and whatever is evil instantly because it's not us, you know, so to speak.
0: Oh well, yeah, it's it's not from the human aspects of day to day living, nor is it from a light and love Christian perspective, so therefore it must be evil.
2: But I I think what's ironic about that is their religion is supposed to be, you know, not to trample anybody's toes out there, but it's all about love and compassion and turn the other cheek, and yet they're the ones going around killing people for hundreds of years because they're not them. Where is the love in that?
0: True. True. And we can't blame the sins of our of the forebearers on the current generation, but let's just say a lot of evils are still committed today in the name of Christianity.
1: Yes. Well, with the five minutes or four minutes we have uh, to go on, how you know? How would you, besides reading LeVay's book, how would you get people to kind of, you know, adopt a slightly more hedonistic and satanic approach to their life. How, what would you tell them to start? What could they do when the show's over right after the show today that would make a difference in their life?
2: I think it's a very simple attitude of enjoy your life to the fullest even if you're having a bad day look for the silver lining there's gotta be something good going on in your life that could have been worse or something that has the potential for making your life better even more happy You know, you just have to find it. And once you do, I'm not saying be stupid and oblivious to all the bad things that are going on and bury your head in the sand. But look for those happy moments to get you through. Take a little bit of your time to enjoy yourself, whether it's just taking a, you know, a hot tub dunk or, or, you know, indulging your favorite food if you can afford it. You know, even just once in a week, just to celebrate the fact that you're alive.
1: Well, like I always tell people, um, at after the show, we'll have a lot of Corvus' books and links on our webpage, uh, deeper-down-the-rabbit-hole.com. Um,
0: D-D-T-R-H.
1: Yeah, that's the, sh- that's the short version. Um, did you have any appearances coming up, Corvus? Yes,
2: yeah. actually, in two weeks, I will be at Dark Carnival in Bloomington, Indiana. And uh, hopefully after that, uh, the Halloween night, I'll be in uh, Dracula's Ball in Philadelphia.
1: So there you have it. Dark Uh, Carnival, is
2: that the insane clown posse, I believe? (laughs) Oh, man. Wow. (laughs) Wow, dude. It's a it's a theater in Bloomington that every year they put on uh, underground uh, horror movies and low budget stuff. People that are up and coming, and they have vendor tables. and you know, I just thought I'd see what it was about and put some books and artwork and art postcards of mine out and see if people come out to check them out.
0: Awesome.
1: Uh, eventually, I I. I... I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. Eventually, you know, I've invited Corvus into a secret project, so you might see us doing things together, because I I love having Corvus at my house. He's a great guy, Um, and I don't say that about everyone. You guys are great company. I I love you, the wife, the kids, everybody. All right, how many times do you hear a Satanist say that? (laughs) My fondest memory of Corvus is a Satanist, a voodoo priest, and a Catholic priest walk into a bar. No shit, we did. There we was, did. A bar. <laughs> it was a bar restaurant and that that uh, the truth was that we three had more in common uh, than you than I think most people would even begin to believe as to how to live your life. <laughs> it's quite a shocking conversation. I wish we could have recorded instead of drank so much, but you know.
2: It was still fun. We were indulging. That's what's important
1: it was it was and it was fun and uh Corvus, we got about two minutes left uh, i want to thank you for coming on the show and i'll uh, we'll welcome back and welcome you to our new house as soon as you come back to cleveland um, all right um and uh, i will be giving you uh, a call soon uh, and just stay on the line when we go into the music. So that way, again, I want to thank the alumnus, uh for the music. Uh, you're awesome. Uh, next week, we have Aaron Light, uh, who is somebody who both me and Jason respect. He's a pretty hardcore ceremonial magician. Uh, he's written several books, on, several books on the secrets of the grimoire, and he's doing interesting work combining grimoire work with hoodoo techniques Uh, so very much and with that I wish you all a fine night and we'll see you all next week